O grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, in, in trying to select a, a sermon for this morning, you, you maybe kind of wonder about the, the process or, or however that might go. And, and for, for me and myself, there was something that kind of came to my mind this week that was just, you know, bothering me. It's something that, that has bothered me for some time. And so, I, of course, I'm going to share with you today. And, yeah, it begins just as kind of a stray thought. See, back when I was a young man, been in the 1970s, I remember, you know, kind of being fascinated with the, the military at the time. I just was in elementary school. And I picked up a, a novel, and the title was God is My Co-Pilot. Uh, the book was actually written by a, a fighter pilot in World War II. And through the course of the book, he, he describes how God was with him. And, you know, got kind of maybe a little different flying a, a single-seat aircraft that doesn't even have two seats. But he described how, you know, God was with him through the war, how God helped him to prevail in combat, how, yes, God was there, he was present. And I felt like the, the book was really a wonderful testimony about how, you know, a Christian man can go into a, a terrible situation, you know, a, a world war, you know, be, be called to uh, be in combat, and continue to have faith in his God. The book was always you know, a personal favorite of mine. But now, you know, we kind of fast forward into the future, and I, I've noticed, and well, it's maybe been, you know, 20, 20 years ago now, it started to happen. But there were other Christians in the community that kind of began to mock this testimony. And, and what, they're, what they're doing is, you know, they're saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm more spiritual than, than that. God's not just my co-pilot. You see, God is the pilot <coughs> of my life. And well, you know, first, first of all, as I shared with you, right, that, that was one of my favorite books, and so I'm you know, kind of disappointed, you know, when a, a, a man writes a, a Christian testimony about his experience going through a, a traumatic times and how God helped him through that, and then other people just kind of stand up and go, oh, I'm, I'm far better than that. God's not just my co-pilot. He's the pilot, you see. Yeah, okay, kind of made me feel bad. But I, I began to, to think theologically about, you know, what does that really mean for people? Because so often in the world today, now we see people trying to live that lifestyle where they just kind of throw their hands in the air, don't they? And they say, you know, if God wants something to happen, it will happen. If God doesn't want it to happen, it won't happen. And 
and I can just kind of sail through life saying, God is my pilot, and it will be okay. I'm going to tell you up front that the concept is very concerning to me. And I'm going to tell you why. I hope you're interested enough. I hope you're engaged enough that you'll kind of follow through with me here today. The reason that this concerns me is because, you know, for us, especially in the Missouri Synod, we have always taught people to exercise their will, you see. Now, there's kind of a big difference between throwing my hands in the air and going, hey, everything is going to be okay, and actively using my will to bring about a positive outcome. Now, the, the reason that we believe the individual needs to exercise their will is, uh, frankly, our Lord and Savior said, many will perish, and only a few are going to be saved. You know, that, that whole idea, it's harder for the you know, camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for the, the rich man to enter into heaven. You know, that whole concept that there are many and there are few. That the door is wide that leads to destruction and many will find that the door is narrow that leads to salvation and only a few are going to go through that. Now, what the bottom line is for that entire idea is that there are a lot of people out there in the world that aren't saved, they don't know Christ, they're not going to go to heaven, and they're trying to impose their will upon the world. Now, you, you just sit and think about jobs that, that you worked at, Right? You, you think about organizations you, you've been a part of. You think about boards, maybe, that you've served on. Okay, that means at least half of those people, they don't know Christ, they're not going to heaven, and they want to impose their will upon the, the organization, the, the board, the, the job, what, whatever the case might be. Over half. Doing not God's will, you see. Half of the people, more than half, the Bible says. Okay, now what happens if you walk into the, that room, that, that board, that meeting, and you say, well, God is the pilot. He's in control. I don't have to do anything. I, I can just kind of sit passively by, you see. And whatever decisions are made, those will certainly be according to God's will. Well, guess what? You know, in a democratic society, if you have more than half of the people voting for Satan's will, what's going to be the outcome, you see? Well, Satan's agenda is going to go forward. And Satan's ideas are, are going to be promoted. And, and Satan is going to have influence and sway 
over that situation. And you kind of begin to, to see where I'm going today. If we are just passive as Christians, if we just kind of sit on our hands, if we just kind of say to ourselves, oh, certainly God's will is going to be done and it will be okay. Whereas Satan himself is influencing other people for his direction and his goal, what is the outcome going to be? Well, we, we used to, to kind of know this idea, didn't we? Right? You remember your mom and dad saying, evil prevails when good men do nothing? Remember that teaching? You see, if you and I don't use our Christ-informed will, our Holy Spirit-powered will, to go out into the world and do what is right, the right things aren't going to be done, you see. And, and I, I believe when, when that man wrote his book, God is my co-pilot, that's exactly what he was describing. That he, a Christian, filled with the Holy Spirit, going out into the world to do what is right with God by his side, you see. With God informing his decisions, with God instructing him in what he was to do. Dear friends, that is what we need in our world again. We need men and women of God filled with the Holy Spirit going out actively seeking to impose God's will upon this world. To have that active component once again. You know, maybe at the time, you know, you, you and I were growing up, we were forming our families, they used to talk about the strong-willed child, you know? And, and what was that idea? It, you know, it was that, you know, you had a, a, a son, a daughter, um, you know, that, that had that strong will. And how was I, I going to train them? And how was I going to discipline them? How was I going to bring them up so they could be good people? So they could use their force of will for good, right? Not, not that they would become spoiled and they just throw tantrums in the store and they just would kind of go through, through life thinking everything should come their way, but that they would actively be able to use their God-given will in a positive way. And, and really, that's just kind of what we're talking about here today. Because if you and I as Christians think that we're standing kind of on this higher plane, so, well, 
God is the pilot of my life. I'm so much better than that guy from World War II that didn't quite get it. And God is in control and everything that happens is according to God's will. And then bad things happen. How can you explain that to the other person? Say, Imagine it in, in your mind, you know, your, your, your granddaughter, your grandson comes to you. And the worst possible thing that could happen has happened to them. And they come to you and, and, and with tears in their eyes and a tremor in their voice, they say to you, this is the situation. This is what just happened to me. And you go, well, I guess it was God's will. God is in control after all. Just make the best of it. Wow. How does that sound? How does that feel? This life-changing, horrible event just took place and, and Grandpa said, well, it's God's will, so yeah. just deal with it. Learn something. But dear friends, you and I, we know within our Missouri Synod Lutheran Church, we live in a sinful world. We understand that sin is never a part of God's plan. You see, when sinful things are taking place out in the world, it's not somehow God working behind the scenes because he has some, you know, master plan out there. But rather, sin entered the world because Adam and Eve let it. And sin remains in the world because, well, sometimes good people do nothing. And whenever sin takes place in the lives of our loved ones, we have to be able to comfort them in some other way, don't we? Right, to be able to say this horrible thing that happened to you was never part of God's plan. But rather, it was evil taking place. Rather, even Satan himself has come against you to hurt you in this way. And the only way back from this is having God tightly in your hand. Seeking his path once again. Moving forward in his love and his forgiveness. Dear friends, God loves us so much. He tells us he has a wonderful plan for our lives. And that's not just some kind of shady statement. 
where, you know, it, it, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, I just kind of got to develop these folks, you know, these folks are kind of a backward people, and, and they just need some development, and so I'll just kind of wink and smile and say, hey, I got this really good plan for ya. You know? It's full of suffering. It's full of character development. It's full of you know, weeds and thistles and thorns. You're gonna work through. And it's gonna be fun. No, when God comes and tells us he has a wonderful plan for our lives, he means that, that there's gonna be love. And there's gonna be joy. There's going to be peace when we find ourselves doing things right. I mean, he said, yeah, in this world we will have trouble. You know, Jesus tells the truth. We're going to have trouble. But fear not, he says, for I have overcome the world. I mean, he said, in the midst of our trouble and our sorrow, we can still be connected to God. And in the midst of great pain, we can still feel his presence. He becomes the one that helps us out of the mire, rather than the one that shoved us in to somehow improve our character. He becomes the one who heals our wounds and our brokenness, rather than the the one that, that caused them to somehow bring discipline to our lives. He becomes the one that we can trust in. The one that we can say, He is my co-pilot. He is the one that's always there. He is the one supporting me as I use my will according to His will. And dear friends, that is, yes, what I'm arguing today. We cannot join those other Christians in the world who just kind of sit on their hands, who just kind of say, I think everything will be okay, and I don't have to do anything. But rather, we need to become the people who, filled with the Holy Spirit, can go into the public sector and exercise our will for good. Evil prevails when good people do nothing. But evil is stopped, even turned back, when good people do something. And dear friends, that's where we want to be, isn't it? Our Lord and Savior, He didn't just die upon the cross so we could be bullied by being passive. He didn't just die upon the cross so that you know we could just get by, be okay. But he died upon that cross so that we might have life and have it abundantly. See? That our 
lives could be worth living. That there would be joy and love and peace within our hearts. That we would even become people who are great enough to forgive wrongs in our lives. That we would become so close to God that even though horrible and terrible things have been done to us and to our families, we would be able to be the bigger person, yes? To stand upon the moral high ground. To be able to say, even though Satan himself used you to hurt my family, I will use my will, infused with the power of the Holy Spirit, to do what God says is right. And that is the promised land, isn't it? Yeah, that is where we long to be. <coughs> you know, yeah, the, the young pastor, he comes out of, of seminary and, you know, he, he's full of theoretical knowledge, right? He knows, knows the Bible and he knows how to apply the Bible and he knows what, what he's supposed to do, you know, especially within our Missouri Synod Right, where we place such a high value on the scripture. At the, the time I attended Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, it was one of the top 10 ranked seminaries in the entire world. A fantastic program that our young men go through to be able to become pastors. You have the knowledge. But yet, it's kind of just theoretical, right? And so coming out of seminary, you know, I can tell people how to forgive, and I can tell people about the process, and, you know, I can tell people about the benefits, you know, of forgiving other people. I can, you know, talk at length about what was supposed to happen. But then the, the pastor gets a little bit older. And he finds out for himself what, what it is to actually have an, an enemy, you know, perhaps. He finds out for himself what it is to, to be actually terribly hurt by other people. He finds out for himself what it is to have someone, you know, hurt his children. And then it becomes real, doesn't it? To be able to stand before the congregation and say, I know, I've been there, I felt it. And still, this is what the Lord says. The Lord tells us, be active. Filled with the power of my Holy Spirit, go out into your world. 
proclaim Jesus Christ as the Savior, the one who overcame sin, the one who died upon the cross to set us free, the one who, following in his steps, will lead you to a life at least of inner joy, an inner peace, an inner purpose. That yes, certainly in this world we will have trouble, but don't let the many rule the day. Rather, become one of the few. The few who enter through the narrow gate. The few who use their God-given power to make a difference for good. The few who following in the footsteps of their Lord and Savior bring other people closer to Jesus. Amen.